Welcome to Parenting with Play podcast. I'm so pleased you're here because this week I have the lovely Belinda Smith all the way from WA, Western Australia, and we're going to be talking siblings, which I know is such an important topic to talk about. Now, Belinda is a hand-in-hand Parenting by Connection instructor, a former high school teacher, former librarian, and now currently a parenting facilitator in a not-for-profit organisation, so works with lots of parents. So the insight that she can offer for her own personal experience and um, obviously working with lots of families um, will be so invaluable. So welcome, Belinda. It's fantastic to have you here. Oh, Helena, it's lovely to be here. Thanks so much for having me. Um, I really love the work you do and I love tuning into your podcast. So it's really exciting and a bit of a thrill to be here. Thanks. Fantastic. So do you want to just give, I just gave a like 30 second intro. Do you want to just give a little bit more background about you and your work? And then before we dive in to siblings. Absolutely. Um, So I like to, I guess, start with how I came to Parenting by Connection as an approach because that was an interesting journey. Uh, And basically I say if there's a mistake to be made, I've made it. (laughs) So when my son was born, I was absolutely besotted. I was an older mother and I was really ready to have children and I thought I knew what was coming and I had a real sense that this was going to be hard work and I was ready for it. But I didn't really have a clue about the emotional hard work of parenting I didn't really understand what that looked like and how I might work with it can I just say that's better that you were more prepared that you thought it was going to be hard work I thought it was going to be really easy (laughs) so (laughs) that's when I then discovered this approach but yes I hear you Uh, yes well I got a tremendous shock so I can only imagine what it was like if you thought it was going to be easy (laughs) so um he was born with a pretty tricky birth I mean it was a good birth he came out he was healthy I was healthy but it was a hard hard birth and had a lot of feelings and I didn't have a clue Mm. about how to listen to those feelings so essentially essentially you know I, I just breastfed him for like a year solid and and just all those feelings got compacted and we both really struggled and there was really very little sleep to be had he woke every 40 minutes for a couple of years he tantrumed very early um, and, and had a lot of aggression from about 18 months. So I was really struggling, but I managed to be calm and patient and loving through all of this. I look back and I think, wow, how did I do that? And then I got pregnant and had my second child. And of course, then the pressure was really on and I really hit the wall and um, sadly kept hitting it for a couple of years before I found hand-in-hand parenting. I think I was reading Playful Parenting by Lawrence Cohen, which I love, mm-hmm. and he referenced Patty Whitfler, and I was like, oh, I haven't heard of this person before. And so I started doing some of the online classes, and finally it all made sense. Yay, I know what to do. So I tried to do it, and I couldn't. I just mm-hmm. couldn't make it work. I would try to listen to his feelings. He would be aggressive. I would lose my mind. It was really, really challenging. And the thing that turned everything around for me was getting an individual consult with another instructor. Uh, Anne Heffron in South Australia and just that half an hour of someone really deeply listening to me and me sobbing about how terrible I felt, what a bad parent I was, all of the deep dark stuff that I'd been carrying with me, all of a sudden I had all this patience and Mm. play and love and lightness and I thought right that's 
that's the solution. So I'm very committed to listening partnerships. They've made a huge difference for me. I was homeschooling for a while, so I was out of the workforce for a while, and then a couple of years ago I decided that it was time to, to work again outside the home and my boys started at school and I work with an organisation called Miralinga. We are dedicated to supporting children and families in Western Australia, so I'm really fortunate that I get to deliver hand-in-hand -hand parenting ideas to lots of parents and some other programs like Circle of Security Parenting, really relationship-based and um, reflective programs is my focus and what I enjoy. So that's Amazing. it in a nutshell. Yes, and I reckon that there's lots of people who can relate to the losing my mind stage yes. of your story. Sadly, um, yes. Yeah, because it is, it is hard work. And like <clears throat> you were prepared for it to be sort of hard. I thought, well, it can't be that hard. <laughs> and, then, <clears throat> and then it is. It really, you know, it can be really hard when we don't have the support and we don't have that emotional outlet for ourselves. It's just, oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's tricky stuff. Yeah. So my boys were probably five and two when I had that experience of, of that really deep listening that I suddenly thought, oh, I don't need to try and hang on by my fingernails and grip my teeth. I actually need to release this tension. And that's what makes a difference. So it actually took a long time. You know, I'd been getting it probably really wrong, I think, you know, with the best of intentions and, and trying really hard. I'd been struggling um, and losing it for for a long time so it took a long time for things to turn around but they really have and my boys went from fighting all day uh, you know siblings love each other so much but when there's any challenges in their life they tend to show up I find in that relationship so yeah we, we also had a lot of other challenges uh, over that period, we had a number of, of family members uh, pass away sort of five years ago, and that was really tough on everyone. And then I'm a single mum now, co-parenting with their dad, and so that has gone pretty smoothly, but that's hard on them too. So there's been lots of challenges in there, and these tools are just a lifesaver. I just don't know where I'd be without them. They really make uh, healing possible and make everything work out okay in the end kind of thing uh, I hit my head hits the pillow at the end of the night and I think yep that was okay whereas I never thought I would get to that point never yeah thought. and when I've... you're in the the mess of it all and the chaos and the the fighting <clears throat> and our reactions it's it's really you just go oh my god I can't do another day it's really hard exactly you just want to quit <laughs> you yeah. just want to quit so how old so, are your boys now they're 11 and a half and eight and a half uh, and they still have moments where things are hard between them, but what I see is that they've got much more capacity to connect well together. And one thing, you know, I was thinking about things to talk about today and there's a number of strategies or tools that I would say are really pivotal. And the first one, of course, is special time. Mm. I remember we'd been doing special time ad hoc for a long time and when they were six and three, um, their dad and I decided to commit to doing it every morning. And so we would do special time every morning for 15 minutes each. And we did that for about 18 months. Um, the difference was phenomenal. Like I can track their relationship and how it's going. It's directly proportionate to how much special time they're getting. Uh, and so as soon as 
the wheels are falling off a little bit and everyone's having a hard time, I, I kind of step back and I'm lucky because I have a lot of listening time to reflect and step back and think, right, yeah, we did three minutes of listening time, of special time this morning. Um, that's just not enough. They need more. So we still do special time most days. And generally uh, they use that time just how they need to. So where it used to be lots of physical activity and play, now it's a lot more of me just delighting in them. So special time, in case anyone listening hasn't heard of it or doesn't know about it, is one-on-one, child-led, timed and scheduled uh, play with your child. And it's just such a beautiful opportunity. You know, when we were having a hard time and we started doing that, it really gave me back my relationship with my kids, really had that little window every day where I didn't have to teach them anything. I didn't have to get them to do anything. I didn't have to manage any behaviours. I could just really delight in them. And I didn't have to do the dishes, which was nice too. Uh, So it made a really big difference knowing that that was an an extra important investment. So these days... Because with special time, just interject that I know that when things are hard, I'll really emphasise special time and then things get pretty good and then... And special time always falls, falls away. away. It's the first thing to fall away. Um, so, yeah, I love your reminder that it is so important and that just that emphasis on delighting in your child because sometimes we can go like, oh, I really don't want to play whatever it is they're into, like, you know, trains or Barbies yes. or I don't know, whatever. So that emphasis on delighting in your child, it doesn't really then matter what you do, does it? Not even one bit. And... My children actually love me to watch them do things. So they like to draw or build Lego and I just watch them. <laughs> and that's they just want me to shower my attention and my love uh, upon them while they do something they enjoy a lot of the time now, which is beautiful, I think. And a lot of parents say to me, but I already spend heaps of time with my yeah. child. How is this different? And I think it is the time is really makes it different because you know you only have to be delighted in playing Barbies again for 10 minutes. Uh, But also there's something for my children anyway. I remember their dad is a master at play. He's really, really good at it. And he'd spent like four hours delightedly being in the mix with them one weekend playing Lego out the back. Wow, four hours straight. Honestly, he's, (laughs) he's really good at it. And they got to the end of it and... He said, right, time to go in. And they said, but, Daddy, you haven't done special time yet. (laughs) So it also kind of ticks a box. You know, the next day I was like, for goodness sake, just set the timer for five minutes so that they, in their minds, you prioritise them, you value them. They really see that. And I I love there's a quote from, might be Patty, I'm not sure, from Patty Whitfler that says, special time allows our love for our children to land in their hearts in ways they can really feel. Mm -hmm. And I just love that. Because we adore our children, but it's so, especially with once you've got siblings, it's so easy for them to not really sense it in the way that we know we feel. Well, and sometimes it's hard for us to access feeling it, actually. That's true too. (laughs) Yep. Um, And that, what I find with special time is it it helps me to fall in love back, back in love with my child again. Um, I did a podcast episode going um, earlier on going, when you don't like your child. And I had people come up to me in the playground going, you were very brave to do that episode. (laughs) 
but it's so true. It was such a good episode. Yes. Sometimes we don't. And, and when our children are fighting, but something, you know, about our children fighting with each other, it's just like, oh, it's so painful and enraging that then it's easy for us to, particularly if there's a power imbalance and, and it's one child that seems to be aggressive to the other one, you can actually feel that you don't like that older ch- You know, generally it's the older one, not always. Yes can hear what's the dynamic in my house um but, <laughs> you know you you can you can have really strong feelings against that child who you perceive to be the one who's being mean to the other child so special time allows us I always love my children more after I've done special time yeah and that shifts then my reaction to them and that which just then changes everything so special time is good for our kids and I love that quote and it's also it's helpful beautiful, for us isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's really good yeah. for us. Because as you say, parents do go, but I spend all this time with my kids. But there's something special about special time. There really is. It's I'm really grateful for it. I think it's the, the pivot point for us was learning that tool. And it for them, I think, was learning that tool because it really filled their cups and meant they could be more generous with one another. And the other thing, you know, I have heard a parent tell me about their child saying when they were like three and the sibling was born, I thought I was losing you, mummy. I felt like I was losing your love. You know, so it is so important for us to open up these conduits, these spaces, these frameworks for them to feel our love, for them to have access to what's what's in our hearts. Um. So I think special time is really important and play has been absolutely pivotal for us. You know, I spent years sort of saying, no, we don't behave like that. No, we don't do that. No, don't do that. And once I learned the hand-in-hand framework where a limit is more about supporting our child to let off the big feelings that are driving that off-track behaviour, that really helped But still play is always the secret weapon. It's always the thing that works beautifully. So I wanted to share some games that work really well for us here because affection games are the thing. So when they're squabbling or there's hard moments, my go-to is always, "Uh uh-oh, and that's like a reminder to me um, to get lighter and to play more. Uh Uh-oh. Boys who do that get, and there's a whole bunch of things that we use. So there's Patty's um, A Thousand Kisses. That's a great game. Boys who do that get A Thousand Kisses and we chase them and and away we go. I know Summer Sheldon, who's an instructor in the US, told a beautiful story on one of the tele-seminars about her three-year-old had been biting, like, to the bone, like blood. Wow. Yeah. And this was at the start of her Parenting by Connection journey and she tried everything else first. Uh, you know, punishment and timeout and everything and nothing was working. So she thought, this play idea sounds completely off the wall, but I'm going to give it a try. So when he, I'll try and catch him before he bites, but when he bites, I'll try and be playful and light. So she'd say, "Uh uh-oh, boys who bite need a thousand kisses. And she said she'd been trying for weeks and within two days of using that strategy, mm-hmm. not only did he completely stop biting, but also the other children really, she had two other kids, really liked that strategy. Our, our children really don't like it when we come down and hard on the quote-unquote aggressor. 
they really don't feel good about seeing that. And I think when they're empowered to say, mummy, mummy, you know, so-and-so needs a thousand kisses. It gives everyone a pathway out of that hard moment that everyone can feel good about. So we use flat as a pancake as well. I love that. I know. Can I just go back to the thousand kisses? Yeah. It's so lovely. And one of the big um, hesitancies and resistance to using play in those moments is because parents then think, well, am I rewarding my child for that behavior? Because clearly biting is, in quotes, not acceptable. I mean, it's not acceptable at all. And so we feel that we need to teach children what's acceptable is often children do know that in any case. So can you just talk to about, you know, that it's not reward in, uh, rewarding. It's th- not causing children to think, oh, well, I'm going to bite again in order to get a thousand kisses. You know, you're not th- rewarding children for that. I think this is where hand-in-hand parenting is so revolutionary uh, and the aware parenting a process as well, from what I understand, is, is has a similar view that our child is not choosing to do that it's not they're not sitting back and thinking I'm going to go into today and I'm going to bite that sibling and I'm going to kick that sibling their brains are not working and not working at their best and if we understand a little bit about brain science their frontal lobe is literally offline they've flipped their lid and listeners won't be able to see my hand at the moment but if you make a fist with your fingers over the top and then flick the the fingers up that's the frontal lobe and that's a great thing to do in a hard moment I find just their brains are not online so when we completely change the framework from rewards and punishments to connection it is a difficult step to take I found it very hard um, and I really worried that I was encouraging bad behavior and what I would suggest is that if you've been trying rewards and punishment or you've been trying some other things and they haven't worked just like summer in that story give it a go Because my experience has been that that experiment has yielded amazing results. My children do not want to be fighting. They do not want to have a hard time. They really want to get on well together. And shame and blame never makes anyone feel better. Mm -hmm. You know, that whole hurt people, hurt people. People who feel good, do good. All those little quotes are really um, pithy, I think. They're really profound because they're right to to the meat of it. Our children don't want to be doing the wrong thing. And if we can help them to connect back into their good selves, connect with one another, it just makes everything go better. And even when it falls flat, so I've had moments where I've tried these games and they're still at each other and it doesn't work. What happens is that things reliably get better after that. Whereas if I come in heavy-handed, what happens after that? Their brains flip out even more. I'm not safe mum's losing her mind, things are not going well, they, f- they feel more unsafe, so they're more likely to go off track next time. So actually it, it feels counterintuitive, but my experience and the experience of thousands of parents is that this is well worth experimenting with. Give it a try. Uh, and you are the expert in your family. That's another thing I love about this approach is it's not someone standing on high saying, you must do this. You get to choose. Uh, you get to decide what's best for you. I think with that deep understanding that children want things to go well and they've got good little hearts and they're they're trying their best to get through the day, but they're scared in that moment. An aggressive child is a scared child. Then you are more able to relate to the reality of the situation and help them out of it in a way that supports everybody's needs. Um, 
And that's certainly been the case here, that as soon as I bring in blame and shame, you know, my, ch- my children really demand A-level parenting because the minute there's any blame or shame, then <laughs> they let me know that that's not okay. Uh, and empathy for everyone. So sort of I'm so sorry that that happened. I'm so sorry I wasn't there to help. I'm so sorry you felt so bad that you had to hit your brother. I really, I really wish that hadn't happened. I'm so sorry. That empathy for everyone helps. And I've I've learned to separate them if things are really tough. They, they very rarely get physical these days, but they did a lot when they were younger. So I take one to another space. And I know has been another secret weapon. So that this is the stay listening tool from um, hand-in-hand parenting where we just stay and listen to whatever comes up and they uh, tell me how horrible their brother is and how, you know, you know, really, really hard things to hear. I wish he was never born. Um, I know. I know you feel that way. I'm sorry. And that empathy does a lot of good. And also in there I do try to hold the space of goodness between them. So, you know, he's a good brother. He loves you. I'm sorry that was hard. He he wants things to go well. And Does that course, enrage him, him more? I was going to say, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> He's no, really he doesn't. Brother. <laughs> yes. Um, but ultimately that's our job is to be the emotional anchor in every way. And so I think we need to anchor to their goodness. Uh, you're, you're a good kid. I know you didn't mean to hurt him then. I know you didn't want that to happen. He's a good brother. He loves you. That in the moment, like all of our limit setting, tends to mean that big feelings come up more. But that's just what we want is a sort of a scouring out of the emotions and emotional poo, Patty calls it, which yes. I love. Great. It's uh, a great analogy, though. It's, it's so perfect, isn't it? Mm. Because we go into parenting knowing we're going to be dealing with nappies a lot for the first few years. Um, We've got whole rooms set up for this process and our emotions are really no different. We've got emotions and uh, feelings that are really difficult to digest, really difficult to process, and they need to be expelled. They need to come out. And and with us, because it can only really happen effectively with a loving, attentive adult. Absolutely. It's not the same as a child going in and to their own room and sobbing, I hate my brother, and they're doing that on their own. That's not what's going to shift things it's really not uh, that sort of compassionate witness or honoring their experience is a really important part of the puzzle even though it can bring up big feelings for us to hear them say I hate my brother uh, can and really that I wish he was never born is a is a big thing and it's, it's very hard to hear but it's also very common it's not doesn't oh. mean that your child is a dreadful child for saying it's, that or for thinking that and the thing I love about this process is that I've learned the value of being with my children with their big feelings I think wow imagine if he had to go through this by himself okay which is what most people do and we did when we were little exactly yeah so I do love that that they do share that with me it's in there it wishing it away isn't going to make it go away uh whereas what I've found is listening to it again I used to think, oh, I don't know about this. Listening to these feelings might make uh, a barrier between them, might build a habit of them saying, I don't like my brother, or it might 
So one story is uh, my elder boy was really upset when he was much younger. He was probably six or seven and it was his brother's birthday the next day and he wasn't being particularly kind. So I moved in warm and close as is, you know, the way we do it with hand-in-hand parenting is you you bring your limits early, often warm and close. So, you know, in I went, put my arm around him, tried to make eye contact and just said, oh, you seem to be having a hard time. Are you okay? And I said, are you, are you feeling a bit jealous? And he just cried and cried and cried mm-hmm. and said, you know, it's not fair. He's going to get this great present that I really wanted. And I remember he said, um, He's going to lord it over me all day tomorrow, mummy. <laughs> so that wasn't the worst of feelings in the sense of, you know, those hard things we were talking about before. But listening to that meant that the next morning, and I listened to the end till he was finished, the next morning he got up and he was beautiful. He was so happy to, to delight in his brother and rejoice in his special day. And in a similar way, I've discovered that if they have had a really hard moment and I get the chance to listen to both of them very quickly, they are well on track and they are able to play beautifully together. In fact, it is almost like it clears the pipes. They can play better. You know, before there might have been a few niggles, they get all of that out, have a big eruption, and it's so different to the way we were trained to think about it, that behaviourist approach of training dogs. Um, Yeah, it's so different, but it it really, as I said, if you're listening and you've got doubts, just do an experiment and see what happens. If what you've been doing isn't working so well, just give it a try because so many people have great results and it does fit with what we know, uh, what neuroscience is telling us about brains and bodies. Connection is the solution, airing your feelings. One speaker I heard gave, gave a great example of feelings being like being stuck in quicksand and the more you struggle against them and push them away the faster you sink wow I haven't heard that that's an excellent analogy yeah and if you lie out flat and cover your whole body with them and marinate in them and really bring them out into the light they dissolve you know then you float Mm. it's lovely isn't it yeah Mm. it it was great um so I think my boys have loved all of those really vigorous snuggle games. Yes, I was going to go back to the games. So yeah, I thought to say some more. Love to hear some more. Flat as a pancake. So our old boys who do that get flattened like a pancake. And I just and particularly my oldest son um, has sensory processing differences, so he likes that deep contact. So anything where I'm, we have a hugby tackle. So uh oh, you need a hugby tackle, and I just slam him into the couch because he does martial arts now so he's really strong and he's 11 um, so yeah he's 11. big and strong he's yeah. big and strong and the tango of doom is another one that works really well oh boys who do that need the tango of doom and I grab them and start and you know being really silly and flinging them around the room and that pretty so much just go back to the flat on the pancake you're literally just putting them on the sofa and falling on top of them Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. And I yeah. do that less with my younger son because he doesn't like it so much uh, in that really overt way. But still, he likes the vigorous snuggle. He likes me to thousand kisses him, or I do the hugby tackle with him where I kind of hugby tackle. I yeah. love that. Yeah, it's a good one, isn't it? Yeah. I, they came up with that. Um, Your boys did? Yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. Play is so fun, isn't it? You really get yes. 
the creative juices flowing. And the other thing I have found hard and I've worked hard on is words because physically you can stop a hand from flailing or a foot from kicking. But when they're, you know, letting rip with the words, so that's been uh, an area that play has also been invaluable and I've had to do a lot of, I've had to do a lot of work on all of this in my own listening time and I really always encourage parents to find someone who can listen well to them. So listening partnerships is, you know, but people who are listening who may not is where you swap equal time with another parent um, and it's a really safe space. There's no fixing, there's no judging, there's no criticising, there's no advice, not really any interruptions and it's really confidential. So it just provides you with a sort of pressure cooker release and I find it so helpful and working through, you know, what was it like for me as a child with my siblings? Uh, what was the dynamic? How were how was sibling fighting dealt with when I was a child? Um, if I'd done that, what would have happened? What does this dynamic remind me of? So working through all those questions has really helped me to tease out my feelings, have a good cry or a good laugh and let off that tension, which means progressively I'm able to show up in ways I want to mm. much more reliably, still not all the time, but much more reliably and the swearing thing was a big one for me I had to really work on that and and name calling especially yes the name calling is hard because if we currently idiot is a very popular word oh. in, uh, for my six-year-old at the moment there's I've also one for that there's also a description between before the idiot which he learned yes, from a friend I understand <laughs> that's good. Uh, I know where you're going with that um but that's that is hard because as you said it's you can't I mean you could put there. Actually, sometimes I playfully put my hand over his mouth and we do like, you know, woo, 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 woo. yes, <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so I'd love to hear what what do you suggest? We uh, one day in a moment of inspired, I was about to lose my mind. You know how sometimes there's just that pivot point where you're about to completely yeah. lose it and then you come up with something in a moment of desperation. So I sort of said, <gasps> that's it. And I was just on the edge of losing it and said, that's it. Whenever I hear the word idiot, there's going to be an idiot dance. And so, again, that vigorous snuggle. So then I, they sort of went, ooh, idiot, idiot. And so I, and fall all over the top of them and be silly. And that worked really well. So the idiot dance was a big one. And also Larry Cohen talks about don't call me. Yes. Oh, you, could, you can say idiot, but whatever you do, do not call me a blithering barnacle because I will just dissolve. Um, and the other one that we came up with was a swear word vacuum. And that works well, probably less with name calling, but just if they are using silly, you know, butt talk. Uh-oh, there's a lot of um, swear words here or, or rude words here or whatever you want to call it. I mean, I try not to go down the path of bad words because I sort of stay there. Eh. All words have their place. If you stub your toe, most people will swear at that point, but there's a time and a place. So the the swear word vacuum comes out and I say, oh, let's see, can I gather them all up quick? Any more in there? And they'll say, idiot, stupid, whatever it is, and, and vacuum all over them. So it's, again, that physical contact. And what we're doing at that moment, I think this is why it works so well, 
often what we try to do is teach and, 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 and teach that frontal lobe. And this is Anne Heffron's little thing that's always stayed with me is we don't want to be teaching our child at that moment. We want to be reaching them. So we want to reach into yeah. that limbic system mm -hmm. and let them know that we're there for them and that they're safe and that, in fact, everything's so safe and great that mum's playing. Um, yes, reach, not teach. I really love that. I love that. It's It's been a real touchstone for me as a parent because my tendency, I'm a talker, you may have noticed, and my tendency is to talk and talk and talk and talk and just remembering that the limbic system needs physicality, needs warm eye contact, needs that beautiful tone of voice to register that safety. Um, so that's been a really big help for me. And the other one is the bugs. So a listening partner came up with this for her children. It can be grumpy bugs, whiny bugs, fighty bugs. Oh, no, the bugs are back. Is there one behind your ear? Let me get it. Let me. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, is there one under your arm? Let me grab that. Oh, I think I've got them all. Are they still there? And it's great for things like whining because you know, children don't want to be there. They're feeling quite powerless and connection can really help to bring them out of it. So that was uh, a really helpful one that I've been able to use across lots of different spaces. Um, bugs. Yeah, so that's bugs. some of the games. So awesome. I know. It's so helpful, isn't it? I've loved there's a lot of great articles on the Hand in Hand website, games for toothbrushing, games for siblings. So I keep going back to them because you can only hold a few in your brain at any one time. Um, and it is really helpful to have ideas. And it takes the pressure off us as parents because so many people say, I can't think of anything in the heat of the moment. Well, if you sort of proactively just read, I mean, I like... It's probably about three games that we do repeatedly yeah. and that's all that's needed. But sometimes then you might want to have some other ideas, but um, yeah, it doesn't have to be complicated. It just, it's just that nature of silliness. Yeah. Like the, ta what did you call it? The tango? What oh, the tango of doom. Tango of doom. I mean, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and fun. And, 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 and a great name to, and even a brilliant name to say, the tango of doom, you know, yes, it's, just, yes. it's just that silliness. Whereas I think so often we just think parenting needs to be serious and we all need to be very, you know, firm and clear and serious. Whereas actually what we really need is connection and silliness and playfulness and joy. Absolutely. I think that's it. We forget that we're really just nervous systems walking through the world. And those nervous systems need to sense safety. And it's hard to sense safety if you've got this kind of mum or dad or carer who's doing their very best, you know, absolutely trying their hearts out. But come on, come on, let's go. We've got to get in the car and now we've got to go here and stop doing that. And those nervous systems need that beautiful, delighted, ah, you know, relaxed and unhurried and unworried and here I am, um, which is not possible to do all of the time, I don't think. Uh, but carving out some of that really does huge favours for our children and us. As you said, I think it's been such a positive influence for me too, learning to do this. I mean, this did not come naturally to me at all. Which is, I think, really helpful to hear yeah. because people go, I'm not a playful person, and I'm going, well, nor was I. Oh. <laughs> This is kind of six or seven years in me using these and trying to do this every day and figuring a way through it. And 
in my listening time saying, I'm not a playful parent. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't, this is not fun for me. I'm exhausted. I can't do one more game like this. And having that space is really helpful too. Um, I can't emphasise that enough actually. But yeah. particularly if you do have siblings who are fighting a lot, uh, you need someone to hear how hard it is for you. And it's- someone who's not um, a dad, the dad or your partner, because I find if I start complaining about my children to my husband, it winds him up. Yes. And then he's harsher with the children. Um, uh, whereas yes. if I... It's so much more beneficial to take it elsewhere away from the whole you know, from family situation so that I can speak freely without fear that, oh, that's going to colour their view of my kids and impact their reactions to them. Yeah, absolutely. It is really, it, it's a lovely thing to do with a partner listening time, I think, but um, as you say, it gets kind of tangled sometimes so it is really helpful to have someone who's not in your family system to just hear you and and to empathize and also the listening part is so valuable I know deep in my bones that parents are doing their best because I've listened to so many parents now and really heard their hearts in that really deep beautiful way that you do in listening time and I'm like right everybody is just trying so hard Everybody is doing their best. It's really reassuring as well to know that it's not just you. It's not just you struggling with this situation. It's not just your kids that are, you know, being challenging. This is is sort of a universal experience for many, many people. Absolutely. Pretty much every workshop I give, that's feedback that we get is, wow, I thought I was the only one. Mm. I thought I was the only one. Uh, I think it is really valuable. So... I wanted to say a couple of other things. So there's the special time in the affection games that we've talked about, the rough housing, so just lots of physical play is really helpful. But two other things that we found really helpful are, are kind of days out or there's a, a book called, I think it's called Love Bombing. Yes. Yes. And so we do that where we'll have a, an extended period of time. Lately I've been doing restaurant dates. My boys are a bit older now and not quite so bouncy. So we can go out for a rest you know, a nice meal. And do you go out with both of them or do you do one? No, one-on-one, one-on-one. Yep. Uh, And that extended one-on-one time, again, just fills their cups so much. And whenever, like we just moved house a couple of months ago, so I scheduled something in just before that because I knew that's a big transition for them. So whenever there's big changes or transitions, having that focused time I find really smooths the path and helps everyone. And the other thing that really seems to help them is family time so scheduled meetings we do like a little you know a little thing at the dinner table where we'll talk about what went well that day or what we're grateful for we have family movie nights we have you know all those kinds of the glue that binds the family together and gives them a space like we have a reading fest whenever we fancy it and they just snuggle up either side and we read books together and these are things we do anyway but giving it that name, a bit like a special time, saying, right, shall we have a reading fest tonight, really builds a sense of us as a family and them as brothers. And it's really powerful, I think, for supporting their sense of connection with one another and helping them build a great relationship. The other thing we do is um, Brother's Day. So once a year, I got this from Laura Markham, Aha Parenting. Mm-hmm. Once a year we have Brother's Day. 
and they choose cake together and they decide on a fun activity to do together for the day. And we just kind of, and they write notes to each other and things like that to say, you know, why I'm glad you're my brother and so on and so forth. So, oh, that's gorgeous. Yeah, it's it's a highlight. It's a great one. And they always choose an extravaganza of a cake with millions of lollies on it and uh, everyone's happy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, I love that. I feel all warm. Goosebumps, <laughs> <Fuzzy>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so lovely. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. There's so much goodness in there. Games, the listening for our children, for us as mums. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anything else you want to add before we finish? I mean, you've given I think so much. I would like to say that it's so important that we try to hold on to our compassion for ourselves when we're navigating challenging moments with siblings and also holding on to their goodness and this you know even if behaviors are really really tough this is a beautiful child who is doing their best and that can really be a lifeline through the hard moments so I would as I said I've worked with so many parents and every parent I ever talk to is absolutely doing their best uh, and they deserve lots of support it's such vital work and yeah, thank you to all the people who are listening because it is really, it's such an important job and I think it's not acknowledged enough and appreciated enough. Yeah, yeah I wholeheartedly agree. Oh, gosh, that's so nourishing. I feel like I'm just going to go and love my, my, my children <laughs> so much more. Me too. The great thing about talking about it, uh, you know, it's, it's like the person who's doing the talking often needs to hear it. So, yes, I will be. <laughs> yes I love this work it fuels my parenting and my parenting fuels my work so yeah it's really good so thank you thank you so much so if people want to find out more about you and contact you how can they do that uh, I have a couple of ways of doing that you can contact me through the organization Miralinga at our website miralinga.org.au or you can contact me through my uh, Facebook page Parenting by Connection with Belinda Smith Brilliant. I will put both links in the show notes. So um, please do reach out to Belinda. She's obviously doing great work in the not-for-profit, but also works individually with parents too. So, and clearly um, amazing with helping uh, sibling rivalry and sibling, sibling squirrel. God, I can't have seen that. Sibling <laughs> quarrels. <laughs> lots, of, lots of experience. And, um, and I want to finish by saying thank you, Helena. You're doing amazing work and it's so you know, lucky parents who get to hear all these great podcasts and get to work with you. So thank you for everything you're doing. Thank you. All right. Well, hope you enjoyed that. And um, I will chat with you again soon. Take care. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and you can see how you can implement what we talked about today with your children and family. Be sure to hit subscribe in your podcast app to know when each episode is released. And I would love it if you could leave a review and share with your friends. And if you want to shout less and connect more, head over to parentingwithplay.com.au to download my quick guide of five simple games which you can start playing straight away. You really can transform your everyday parenting challenges with connection and fun. So have a great week and enjoy playing.